Thanks, Jane. Uh, for those who are visitors here, my name is Paul McKendrick and I am the pastor here. It's great to have you with us this morning. Uh, please hang around afterwards. Love you to join us out the back and have a cuppa and uh, a bite to eat together as well. Uh, we're uh, kicking off a new term and we're kicking into a new series this term. Last week, uh, it was very new because it was our first week here in the school. It was only our second week here. So uh, it's great to be able to gather in a place like this and have the space that we've got and be able to share with you. And last week we looked at how good Jesus was, that Jesus was better than just about, than anything. Uh, and so what we thought was this term, going on from thinking about Jesus is better, we thought, well, if Jesus is better, well, let's dig into Jesus. Uh, let's find out about him. Let's spend some time getting deeper into who he is and what he's about. So we're going to be looking at the Gospel of John this term, and we're going to be looking mainly at the I am statements of Jesus. If you want to know what Jesus is like, well, he says, I am a number of things, uh, seven different I am statements throughout John. So we're going to dig into that, this term. We're going to dig deeper into Jesus uh, here on Sundays and also in our gospel communities. Uh, and today we thought a great thing to do is actually start at the beginning of John because uh, John itself uh, has an intro. It's called the prologue. And in that prologue are basically all the themes to the rest of John. And the prologue is quite separate in one sense to the rest of the book, uh, but it is packed full of some of the most amazing, beautiful statements about Jesus. Uh, so open up your Bibles if you've got them, or open up your service sheets if you've got them there too. You'll see our Bible reading there today comes from 1 Corinthians chapter... 1 Corinthians... John 1. Why don't I go to 1 Corinthians for? Uh, John 1, verses 1 to 18, we're going to read now. And uh, just take it in, soak it in. And the beautiful Dean's going to read a beautiful passage for us. So kind. Keep that up, mate, it's good. Okay, so John chapter 1, and we're going to be reading uh, verses 1 through to 18. Uh, so it's titled, The Word Became Flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God, and in the beginning, through, all him, uh, through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and, through the, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. 
No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who himself, God, and in close relationship with the Father, has made him known. As you see, uh, only being our second week here, we're slow to getting things working out where everything is. Um, can you see me down here, or is it better if I go up here? Which one would you prefer? Doesn't matter? Great. I'll stay down here then. <laughs> great. Um, it's a great passage, isn't it? Uh, it's an amazing passage. It... Uh, We will not be able to dig the depths of this passage this morning. Uh, It is one of the phenomenal parts of the Bible. Uh, It's a beautiful section of the Bible that speaks so highly of who Jesus is. So uh, we're going to dig in a little bit this morning. We're going to spend about 20 minutes just tagging into a few of the things that are there and we'll make our way through it. But please, don't think that we've gone anywhere near just... We would have just scratched the surface this morning... Can I encourage you to go home this week? Uh, if you're in a gospel community, you'll spend time looking at it. Uh, if you're not, then please continue to look at it. And even if you're in either one of those, can I encourage you this week, each morning, just to take a couple of verses. Just take a couple of verses, read them, and just allow God to speak to you through them. Meditate on them. Spend some time contemplating what they're saying, because they are phenomenal. So let's look at them together this morning. We're going to look at, uh, uh, go through it. We're going to touch into a few places, and hopefully I won't detract from the beauty of it, but we'll enhance the beauty of this passage. Uh, Let's have a look at the first couple of words there, and you'll see uh, verses 1 and 2. These are stunning words. In the beginning was the word... And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Uh, I don't know about you, but I reckon Australians are great at having nicknames, aren't they? Uh, we love to have nicknames. Baza, Shazza, all those sorts of ones, all those different names that are up there. Uh, cheeky, happy. Uh, often there's some good names up there, but also sometimes we use some derogatory ones too, like pothole, or uh, there's other things up there that we've got. But Australians love nicknames. I've got a couple of nicknames. I've got a nickname that's actually up there. Can anyone see my nickname that might be up there? Macca, that's right. So uh, not many people down here call me that, but people in other places do. And sometimes my mates who are in ministry call me Macca, and people say, who are you talking about? Uh, that's me. But I've also got other names, nicknames that aren't quite so, would you say, uh, nice towards me. Uh, I've got a name that I don't know whether you could recognise this, but I've got a name, one of my nicknames back in Tasmania in my hockey team was called Plovelegs. <laughs> now you're all going to stare, aren't you now, and think, how did that happen? Well, one day I was walking down the driveway to where my coach was and his son who we played hockey with together. And as I was walking down, in the paddock behind him, there were a number of plovers. And my coach looked at, the, at me and then looked at the plovers 
and decided my name's going to be Plover Legs. So I was Plover Legs for a long period of time. Uh, nicknames, don't they? They connect to something. They connect to sometimes your name or sometimes your character or sometimes the actions that you have. Uh, well, here we have a nickname for Jesus in one sense, the Word. The Word here is a depiction of who and the character of and the actions of Jesus. Uh, it's not right there in the first couple of sentences, is it? It's in the, in the beginning is the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. But if you jump down to verse 17, you see that we hear that that Word is Jesus. And we see that this Jesus is to be the clear communication of God to the world. It takes us back too, doesn't it? Uh, who can remember the very first words of the Bible? And the beginning was God and he spoke and the word went out and created the world. So what this passage is saying to us right back from the beginning that Jesus was with God, that Jesus was God and that he was there from the very beginning. He wasn't created, he wasn't made, he always has been. There's a great statement by a guy called Athanasius who was uh, uh, back in the early centuries, not long after Jesus, and he said this, there never was a time when he was not. worth contemplating in it. There never was a time when he was not. Everything that we see here around us had a beginning. Started with God's word. He spoke and he created it and it happened. But not Jesus. Jesus was there from the very beginning. He was with God. He was God. He was there in the beginning. Uh, in one sense, someone else has said to us that Jesus was always at the heart of God. And he's the expression of the heart of God to the world. Because that's what he does, doesn't he? He was there in the beginning. And he was the one that, that was the action of God to create the world because he's the one that brings everything into the beginning, into creation. It says there, doesn't it? Though... I can't read that from here. Uh, Through him all things are made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. See, what we have here, what we have now, everything that we see is only here because of Jesus. Only because of him. He created it, he made it, and he sustains it. Life and light is what we have, and it's only because of him, because of what Jesus has done. Uh, the creation that we see is just phenomenal, isn't it? And Jesus is the one that brought that into, into existence. Uh, the terminology is ex nihilo, out of nothing, God created everything, and Jesus is the one that did it. And Jesus is the one that holds it and sustains it and keeps it and gives it life and light and you are only here because of him. That is a phenomenal statement, isn't it? It's amazing, isn't it, that Jesus is that? 
Jesus was in the beginning. He was with God. He was God. And out of Jesus, everything that we see and know was created by him. Uh, This is a quote by Stephen Hawkins. He says, Science goals provide a single theory that describes the whole of the universe. That's its goal. That's what it works for. Uh, Stephen Hawkins, who uh, no longer is with us, but... Uh, it, that was what the, his aim was. That was to try and find the one thing that pulls it all together, the one thing that holds it all, that makes sense of it all, that pulls it all together. That's what science was trying to prove. And John 1 says, Jesus is it. He is it. It's not a theory, it's not an idea, it's a person, it's personal, it's relational. It's not just theory, it's not just equations, it's not just guessing, it's not just thinking, it is him. A personal, loving Jesus. That's who he is. He is the answer to it all. You're gaining a bit of a sense of just how beautiful this Jesus is. But John's trying to picture for us, he's trying to gather it for us, he's trying to bring it together for us. And within that, he's saying that actually, you guys, if he had been writing to the first people who were listening to this, they were thinking that John the Baptist, JB, we'll call him, because we like giving him nicknames, JB uh, was the one that was going to be it. But here we see that Jesus is greater than him. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him, All might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. You see, JB was the warm-up act. I don't know about you, but we're getting close to finals in the footy. In all codes, starting to get exciting, isn't it? You're starting to think, who's going to be in that game? But there's another thing that I like to think about too as we're getting close to those games, is who's going to be the warm-up act? Who's going to be the one on the stage before? Who are they going to pick to do that? Now, I don't mind that, and it's really interesting, isn't it? You want to find out about that, but seriously, you really just want to know who's in the main game. You see, Jesus is the main event. Uh, The people back in this day, they were looking for the main event. They were looking for the person. People today are still looking for the answer. They're still looking for it, and we're still just warming up. Lots of people are just warming up, trying to find it in all these places, but they're missing the main event. The main event is Jesus. He's the one that it's all about. He's the one that's a game changer, as Colin sang for us. He's the event that changes everything. For the first century Jewish person, he changed everything. For the 21st century Australian, he changes everything. Because he's the main event. Sometimes I think we get caught up in the warm-up act, don't we? We get caught up in all this other stuff on the side and we get caught up in doing all these things over here. And the warm-up act's great and can be good, but it's not the main event. That's where we want to be and that's what John wants to draw our eyes to. He wants to draw our eyes to the main event. JB was just the preview. Jesus is it. He wants to grab your attention, doesn't he, John? He wants to take your eyes to this amazingly 
the word, Jesus, who was with God, who was God right from the beginning, who created everything, who's bigger than JB, who's the main event. He wants us to salivate in a sense. He wants us to get ready for it and he wants us to get ready to dig deeper into Jesus. That's what I want to encourage you this morning is to get that sense, that glimpse, that idea that I want to dig deeper into Jesus. Because then comes one of the most stunning, that's one of my favourite words, statements that has ever been written. The word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Jesus became flesh made his dwelling among us. We have seen Jesus' glory, the glory of the one and only Son, Jesus, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. That is Jesus. The big theological term for this is called the incarnation. In flesh, dwelling. If you want to break it up, in, carnal, flesh, nation, dwelling. In flesh dwelling. God, the supreme creator of all things, comes and lives in one of us, like us in flesh. That is phenomenal. That is mind bending to think that Jesus is God in the flesh. That's what this statement is saying. That is a game changer. Uh, some of you might be remember Joan Osborne. Do you remember that? The old song. What if God was one of us? A slob like one of us, just a stranger on the bus trying to make his way home, back up to heaven, where all above, nobody calling on the phone except for the Pope, maybe in Rome. Uh, listen to the song. It's a really interesting song by Joan Osborne. And she says, What if God had a name? What if God had a face? What if God dwelt among us? All Joan needed to do was read John 1. That's where we find it. That's where we see God with flesh on. Jesus is the incarnation of God amongst us. Now that is a stunning statement, isn't it? That's a statement that you really want to wrestle with. Because if that is true, that does change everything. Jesus is no longer just a person who lived on this earth and gave moral teaching. Jesus is no longer just a martyr who died on the cross for his followers. This changes everything because this is the God of the universe entering into our world to live like one of us so that we could live with him for eternity. Now, the rest of John wants to unpack that. John makes these statements and then he wants you to dig deeper into Jesus. He wants you to read the rest of his letter to back this up or not, to believe this or not. We can make a statement. But is it true? Well, John writes the rest of his letter for us to consider whether it's true. And the I am statements of Jesus 
make us consider if it's true. God with us. God in the flesh, here with us. God with us to reveal God to us. That's what the rest of the passage goes on to say, doesn't it? That when we look at Jesus, we are to see God. Verses 17 to 18, go on and explain that for us, that when we look at God, Jesus, then we're actually seeing what God is like. If you want to know what God is like, then you look to Jesus and see what he's like. If you know how, want to know what God acts and how he acts, then you look to Jesus and how he acts. If you want to know the character of God, then you look to Jesus and you'll see the character of God. If you want to see how you want to reach out into this community, as uh, we were asked before, how do we think about doing that more inspiration? How did Jesus do that? He became one of us. He entered into our life and into our circumstances and into our situations. He had an incarnational ministry. That's how we are to be as well. We've been talking about this for a number of years as a part of our church here, about getting out and showing, growing, growing, showing and going in the love of Jesus. That's what he's saying here, is we need to live in this community, live in this world, to be incarnated into this world in a sense, to live that out and show Jesus in who we are and how we live and how we love. That's what Jesus did, didn't he? We're about to see it as we go through John. He lived in this world. He lived with people. He ate with people. He sat with people. He walked with people. He worked with people. He, he lived with people. And as he lived with them, he showed what God was like and how he lived. He showed how God was like by what he said. And he showed God's love ultimately by going to the cross. And he showed God's power ultimately by rising from the dead. But we're not there yet. That's where John takes us. And we're to take on that same type of ministry. God, God, Jesus, God with us to reveal God to us. Look what it says there. Uh, I'm going to have to go back up there. The top part's a bit hard for me to see. It says, He was in the world and through the world was made through him. The world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his home, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. Uh, What is our response to Jesus? How are we to respond to him? Well, there's a number of responses there, isn't there? Those that he came to, the world, didn't recognise him. That's a grand statement in general. But those who were his people, Israel, the Jewish people, did not receive him. But to those who receive and believe, we become. Those who receive Jesus, that is, welcome him. Who believe in Jesus, who put their trust in him, become children of God. We belong. You notice, in one sense, the whole world has been made by God, and in a sense, the whole world uh, are his people in one sense, but in another sense, there are only those who are his children, who are part of his family for eternity. And they are the ones who receive and believe. And John's going to work through the rest of the gospel to convince you to do that. I don't know where you're at at the moment with that. 
But can I encourage you to contemplate that? Think about that. Think about the statements that God is making, that Jesus, that John is making to us about Jesus here. To receive him and to believe him, because when you do, then you belong to him. I don't think they do it at the moment in their HSC, but when my boys were going through HSC, they, their theme was belonging. That was a great theme, thinking about how do we connect, how do we belong, how are we part of that. And they had to read a number of books of that, they had to uh, watch a number of movies about that. Uh, they watched The Blind Side uh, and they watched a number of other ones, movies that were about belonging, about connecting. Because we all long for that, don't we? We all long to belong. We all long to be connected. We all long for that sense of knowing that we are unconditionally loved and that we are in a place, a family, that loves us, that we belong to. Uh, They took a survey in London or in England just recently and in the ages between, I think it was 15 and 24, the greatest fear... The greatest distress for people in that age range was loneliness. Being disconnected. 15 to 24 year olds. Well, maybe it's just those who are over you know, 80 and by themselves and don't have, you know, or in a nursing home. Or sometimes we just think that, or people who are just struggling. 15 to 24 year olds, this is our youth as they're coming through. And you'll probably be feeling that as well. We're in one of the most connected societies, but yet disconnected relationally. And Jesus is the answer to all of that. Because he connects us to the ultimate family. He enables us to belong in his family now and for eternity. That is beautiful. You may be feeling disconnected. You may be feeling that uh, your family do not love you. Well, Jesus does. You may be feeling that you don't have a community around you, that there's people that haven't treated you well. Well, Jesus loves you. You may be feeling that there may be a a figure, a a father figure or a teacher figure or an authority figure that has really hurt you and you feel disconnected. Well, Jesus loves you and he wants to connect you. He wants you to belong. He says, if you receive him, if you believe in him, then you belong to him. That is amazing. And there's this little statement in the middle here that just blows me away. It says there, out of his fullness... Out of Jesus' fullness, out of all that he is, the God incarnate, the God in flesh, out of everything he is, the one who has made all things, out of his fullness, he expresses grace upon grace upon grace to you. There's two ways of reading this passage. Uh, There's one is grace upon grace or grace in place of grace already given. Uh, There's two senses of this and I think John wants to throw both of them at us. He particularly wants to throw them at the people here, the Jewish people, because he wants them to see that the grace that they had 
through the law, through the Old Testament, that God revealed himself there to them, but yet they'd broken away from and continually rejected. Here we have the full grace in Jesus. Don't miss it. And then also there's a sense of grace upon grace that he's just going to keep overflowing us with grace continually and constantly. Uh, I love sitting, looking at that. Uh, who can tell me where that is? I go a little bit further around. Half tide and jogglies and 40 foot round the corner. Uh, some bit of debate about whether it's jogglies or 40 foot there, isn't it, I think, bro? But anyway, uh, there's a great spot that you can sit on the top of the hill and just recently, with the weather that we've been having, I've been thinking, there's no way I want to sit at home in my cold little room and eat lunch. And so I thought, I'm going to put my lunch on a plate. Uh, I put my lunch on a plate, I grab a drink and a flask and I build up onto the, the hill here and I look out over... Uh, half tight and jogglies. It is pristine. Uh, but nine times out of ten, you'll get a certain amount. Of, those waves probably look, look a little bit better than what they are at the moment. Uh, but you will get constant waves coming through. Sometimes they're big, sometimes they're small, but they never stop. There is just a con- constant and consistent wave after wave after wave. From Jesus from the fullness of all he is, is pushing wave after wave after wave of grace over you and his people. The next time you stand and look at the waves, just don't be amazed at God's creation. Be amazed at Jesus' grace for you as it flows over you upon grace upon grace, wave upon wave. Experience that love that he flows to you through Jesus. He makes you belong to his family now and for eternity. It's a stunning part of the Bible, isn't it? He just cries out to us that Jesus is better. John wants you to know he's so much better. To the Jewish people right back in the beginning, he's so much better, guys. Don't miss him. To you and I today, he says he's so much better. Don't miss him. And that's what we're going to do in the next few weeks. We're going to dig deeper into him so that we don't miss him. The word became flesh. Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us, pitched his tent among us. The word who was with God, who was God, who created everything, comes and dwells amongst us in Jesus. God with us to reveal God to us so that we can receive him and believe in him and belong to him for all eternity. So we can be children of God. What's a practical outworking of this? I think it's just awe and worship. Do you do that very often? Do you stop and stand in awe? And by worship, the Bible means just give your whole life to him. Because of who Jesus is. That's what John 1 wants to do to us, just to stand in awe and worship him. And I encourage you to do that. We're doing that this morning, in a sense, while we're here. But don't stop here. Go out from here. 
every day just stand in awe and worship God. John 1 verses 1 to 18 is almost like a preview to everything else that's about to happen in John. You know those previews that you see on TV of the movies that were coming up or if you're on YouTube and you get a preview, if you're on Facebook, they want to throw them at you all the time, get your preview. And in those previews, you get touches them on all these different things that are going to come up. And what does the preview want you to do? Go to the movie and watch the whole lot, doesn't it? Well, that's what John 1, 1 to 18 wants for us. It's the preview. There's all these things wrapped up in here. The word, the light, the love, the incarnation, the Jesus who comes, the receive, the believe, the belong, the sense of all those things of grace upon grace. It's all wrapped up in there. And then in John, the rest of the Gospel of John, he wants you to dig into it. Because this is the preview. And now you're going to see the main event. It's Jesus as we go through and watch and look and see and dig deeper into him as we think through those I am statements of Jesus in John. Read along with us. Uh, go home, spend some time in John 1, 1 to 18 this week and then start reading through John and start to gather the great and beautiful and awesome picture of Jesus. And as you do that, as you dig deeper into him, I pray that you will stand in awe and worship of him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there's so much in this passage. There's some phenomenal statements, grand statements, beautiful statements about Jesus. Lord, we pray that we may contemplate that, that we may dig deeper into those through this week and through this term. And we, Lord, we pray that your spirit will do a mighty work within our hearts and open us up to your beauty. Open us up to your awesomeness. Open us up to worship you, to receive, to believe, and to know that we belong to you now and for eternity, Lord. Heavenly Father, we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.